0: What's up guys, we got a great show for you today. I just want to give a little disclaimer that our software wasn't working so we had to record it on Skype and then Skype also had its own problems and so the audio on my part doesn't sound the greatest but Derry's audio and Robbins who's our guest sound great and um, yeah it's a great show so listen in but just want to give a heads up that the quality might not be the greatest but it's worth it. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Things You Don't Hear in Church podcast. My name is Ethan.
1: And my name is Derry.
0: And guys, go check us out on social media, Facebook, uh, not Facebook, don't do Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, probably Google Podcasts. We're everywhere, and we are here to talk about the great areas of the Christian faith Mm. and help you grow in your Christianity. So, yeah, without further ado, let's get into the show.
1: Yeah, if you want to look at us on Facebook, you can. You'll just be alone. But we do post our content on there (laughs) every week because... Instagram automatically uploads it to Facebook, but there's just nobody who looks at it, so you can do that. We get some impressions, just like no likes, which is kind of strange, but like 400 people see like the posts and stuff, it's just no one cares, so don't go on there, or if you want to be niche, I guess, and like you want to be like, oh, I'm the only one, then you could, but anyways, guys, today we have a third time repeating guest, Robin Schultz, we've had him on a few times, our favorite TikTok pastor. Um, ex, ex-pastor, cool guy, <laughs> really like him. Now guys, last time, the last two times we've had him on, first time we had him on for suffering and the last time we had him on for rebellion. And, and then so we had
0: him on for the group chat. Yeah, yeah, we had.
1: So we're trying to do something not as dark, so I guess, and time... depressing of a topic. <laughs> And so he actually has a really cool thing that he's been working on for a long time. Started out as a sermon. He's created it um, into a whole series. He has uh, this little book that's really cool, really illustrative. Love it. Uh, and a video series that goes with it. A little link in the book. And so we had him on today because we wanted him to talk about it. Why he created it. What the content of it is. Um, yeah. So with that, Robin, anything we missed? Anything you want to add? Why? Sense of-
0: create a study guy called Creation and why don't you have it in your hands right now audience you
1: up. <laughs> yeah you want to tell people where to get it like right off the bat
2: yeah yeah i mean i mean it's one of those things where when i was when i was creating this i was i'm not clever when it comes to naming things it was just kind of like what is this book about oh it's about creation there you go that's you look at it you know, creation that's it um, and also, it's sim- it, it, it simplistic. I mean, the, the subtitle really defines what what the beginning is uh, or what the title is supposed to be, which is God's invisible attributes on display uh, throughout creation. So it's like yeah. you said, it's been it's been a labor for about four years of really wrestling with the text um, in Genesis one and two um, and, and really trying to unpack what Paul says in Romans 1 20, where he says that the divine attributes of God are being displayed through what he's, uh, what he's created. And he specifically mentions his eternal power and divine nature, uh, Mm. that those are the two things that God has revealed through his creation. So Mm, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's great to actually get something out about it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit more about, Uh, Why you originally created it. I know this is Genesis is such a contentious, like book of the Bible, mostly because it impacts all of the rest of scripture. And so your view on it Mm -hmm. very heavily impacts your theology. And So a lot of people will stay away from it. A lot of people find it too daunting of a task, all that kind of stuff. But you didn't. No,
2: no. I, I mean, it is daunting of a task. I mean, the problem the problem is, like you were saying with Genesis, it makes theological statements through its, its stories that it tells that if you really get into the nitty gritty, like impact everything within scripture. That was actually one of the difficulties in creating this was I had to draw the line somewhere and say, okay, I cannot just copy and paste the Bible and basically say, this is what this is, the statement that it makes here is a statement it makes here and here and here and Mm. here. And this is how we arrive at the, you know, eternal power and divine nature of God. Um, that was the difficulty. So like there more than likely will be, you know, further additions of this and further explanations and, and, and Mm. stuff. I just had to get to a point where it was like, okay, this contains the, the information I at least want to communicate Mm. and, it's up to the reader, the one who has the book, to then take it and go into further study and really unpack some of the stuff that's been said in here. Um, but the reason why this is actually in existence actually comes from when I was a youth pastor. Um, I was a youth pastor over a group of, I, I, I think it was anywhere on a good day, we might have like 12 people. Um, and one of the things that I did with them when I took over the youth group is we did an uh, expository preaching through the book of John. Um just to, hey, let's talk about Jesus. Let's talk about, you know Jesus in the most personal gospel, um, you know, John's gospel, the the one whom Jesus loved, that's how he identifies himself. And so let's look at Jesus through that lens and let's do, let's just go line by line or story by story or however that makes sense, and let's just read through the gospel, of John, and, and, and get a good grip on who Jesus is. Um, and in the midst of doing that, um these were kids that had been in church pretty much their entire life or at least associated with church in some uh capacity um Hmm. we had maybe one or two that were newer to the faith but one of the things that was very very evident was they had no grasp or concept or understanding of the old testament at at all Hmm. um so we would we would talk about i remember one time we had a, a I was relating something in John, I believe, to King Saul. And I, hmm. I said, so King Saul, you know King Saul? And it was just blank stares, right? Hmm. Uh, anytime something like covenant would come up, what's that? What's the covenant, <laughs> Abraham, uh, covenant God made with Abraham? No yeah. idea. And so what, it was, what, what, it was real, what I was realizing is, um, and, and it was a specific problem that we had within the church community within the city that I was living in, um, it was a very shallow, no real depth to to Jesus, kind of the the messages that were being preached was uh, in the churches is very much, how can we just apply the principles of Jesus to your life so you can have a better marriage, a better finances, mm. blah, 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 blah. Not necessarily prosperity gospel, but, you know, um, just basically a self-help Christianity. Right. Um, and so I was like, you know what? we really need to cover our basis here because i don't want you to have a surface level christianity so let's go back to genesis one let's just do the same thing that we did with john let's just preach from the beginning of genesis until kingdom come or in this particular instance until COVID hit and we weren't able to meet in person anymore <laughs> um so we, we we started with genesis one and um i like many other people um grew up uh in the evangelical culture of it's a literal six-day creation you know, that, yeah. that fight versus the academic fight, which is, this is really just a cosmological argument and why this God is different than the other yeah. gods within the Canaanite region. And yeah. um, I actually still have it on my Google Drive, the original sermon series uh, that I did for this. Um, and I can actually show you where uh, the first sermon, which was on Genesis 1.1, was created sometime in like March. And I actually didn't start typing in it typing in it until July um, mm. because I didn't know where to start um, because all I knew was cosmological arguments all I knew was mm. this is a literal seven uh, you know six day creation and you know here's how we can prove that the earth was created with some view of age or something like that or it, it, mm. it appears to be old but it's actually fairly young um, and I didn't want to do that. I really didn't want to do that because, again, the whole point in doing this was to reveal Jesus. And Mm. so I started really praying into it and really going like, I I really have no idea what to do with this. I know that we need to go this route because the kids are lacking in understanding. And as God says to his people, my people are destroyed for a lack of understanding. Um, So we definitely want to do this. But there are some things I personally have to wrestle through with the text in order to communicate that effectively to the kids and so there really were two verses that that really hit home with it Um, the first uh was jesus and john says that if you had believed moses you would believe me right so there is this statement that jesus makes where in order to believe him the stumbling block is moses uh and what Mm -hmm. moses wrote um moses is traditionally the author of genesis so you know without getting into like we just have to accept <laughs> it. the way The way Jesus said it is the way that I have to accept it. Um, mm. So Jesus's claim is that Moses is writing about Him. Um, and so I was chewing on that, and then I was rereading Romans and came across what Paul again says that uh, starting in Romans 1.18, where he says, you know, that the unrighteous suppress the truth mm. um, by their unrighteousness, and I started reading that and. Um, one of the funny things about that particular uh, passage as well as we use that as a cosmological argument that atheists are dumb because you should be able to look at the cosmos and go, wow, there there, there must be a God behind this, right? Yeah. There must because Paul is literally, – he literally says that they are suppressing the truth in their unrighteousness because the truth has made evident through what God has created. So obviously that's what – you know, I should be able to look at a tree, I should be able to look at the sky, I should be able to look at the universe and go, there definitely is a God. But that's not the argument that Paul is making. And this is, it, what, what, the, the argument that he makes actually starts in verse 16, where he says that it is the power of the God. He's not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power unto salvation, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. And mm. then he says it's by the unrighteousness of people, suppress this truth. So, Paul's argument actually in Romans 1 is not that you should be able to look at the creation and go, wow, there definitely is a creator. Many religions have done that. Um, mm. what, what his argument is when you look at what God has created, there's two things that are visible in it is his eternal power and divine nature, which are associated with his gospel. So what Paul is, uh, what Paul, the, the claim that Paul makes here is that when you look at the creation and what humanity is ultimately raging against is God's intents and purposes for creation, which is his gospel. And so it was coming to that understanding that finally Genesis 1 started making a little bit of sense to me, um, especially in the context of Moses in the desert, in the wilderness with the, with the Israelites and going, wait a minute moses is actually not making a cosmological argument here he's making a philosophical or or a philosophical argument about the plans and the purposes of god for his people and Mm. so we should be able to look at the creation account and go there are there are shadows and foreshadowing of what god is ultimately going to be up to and what god is ultimately doing in creation and through his people Evident within the creation story. And then that's really where I started diving into it. And I think it took until about. It took until day one of creation. Because I had to lay the foundation in, in Genesis 1.1 uh, for the kids. But once I got to Genesis. The, the first day of creation. It suddenly started making sense. And I was like wait a minute. The story that shows up in, gen- in the first day of creation. I can actually map out um, to what Jesus is doing, what the Holy Spirit is doing, what God is doing in his people Mm -hmm. to what Moses saw on Mount Sinai. Um, And so you start following it logically through and you go, wow, I don't care if it's a six day creation anymore. I just, wow, you can see, uh, I I make this argument in in, in the video, um, basically saying that, you know, when we talk about a piece of art, we don't typically talk about the materials that were used to make an art. Like we, we don't mm. we can talk about the medium. We can talk about like, hey, this is an oil painting. It's canvas. It's construction paper from a third grader. Who cares? Mm. Um, we talk about the message that that art piece is trying to communicate. Uh, we communicate the emotions of the artist. the You know, when we when we read Edgar Allan Poe, for, for example, we don't really sit there and go, well, you know, this is the particular type of rhyming scheme that he's using or anything like when i read the raven that's not what i think about i think about a tormented soul over the mm. death of his wife like that's what he's ultimately trying to communicate the, the the method in which he communicates it is it's cool to know but it's irrelevant at the end of the day mm. um, and i would even argue as paul says in romans one that our focus on the materials is actually a worship of the creation rather than the creator um, because they're supposed to point to what god is doing rather than to be the focus of what god has created it's more about a who than it is a what
1: wow interesting mm-hmm.
2: yeah. yeah that's really cool
0: you were saying how you track that first day of creation to the holy spirit and what jesus is doing that'd okay. be interesting to flesh out even like now for people listening is that something that you could break down for us
2: yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, these videos are gonna be available for, uh, for free on YouTube. And it, if you want more detail mm-hmm. about this, you can, you can get the, the study guide. But um, there, so the first day of creation, you have this, um, you basically have, and you have to connect it to uh, the beginning of Genesis. One of the things that I discovered when, when I was doing this whole study is how much we put stuff into the text that's not there. Um, because typically, the way in which we read uh, Genesis is very much attached to our own presuppositions. So, for example, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the mm. surface of the watery depths. Um, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the water. Stop. Then God said, there, so we put like an unnecessary mm. divide in there. And what I was realizing is that is actually the precondition for day one. The precondition for day one is that the Spirit is moving abo- uh, upon the waters. Mm. And then God said, let there be light. So it, they're, they're, they're connected to each other. Um, and the thing that really blew this open for me is in Second Corinthians 4, uh, Paul makes this statement, and he says that the same God who said, let there be light, has shown the revelation of Jesus Christ in our hearts, right? Mm. So Paul— links this and says just like god spoke to the the moment of creation and said let there be light it's the same way in which he has shown the revelation of christ in, in our hearts and you look at the first day of creation and you realize wait <clears throat> we don't have the sun the moon the stars there's nothing for this light to actually emanate from there's it, it, it's it's an impossibility really, if you think about it, that God just commands into the nothing, commands into where there are no stars, there are no these celestial fusion bodies or anything and says, let there be light. Mm-hmm. And that nothingness goes, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Let me do something that's physically impossible and just emanate light. <laughs> Get some light in there. And, and, yeah, I, I still have the recording when I did that with my kids. I was just like, yeah, just think about this for a hot minute. And it, like, you can hear audibly the kids go like, what? wait, what, what, this is, this is, and, and it's funny because especially when you study scholars, they'll get into this, um, debate about the Hebrew or whether or not it's let there be light or there can be light, you know, is God really commanding the light to come forth or is it, you know, it, and, and I look at it and I just go like, just look at the fact that there are no stars there, there, there is nothing for the light to be created from the light just comes to existence, just like the knowledge of, The glory of God, the knowledge of Jesus Christ. It's not something that we work up in our own hearts. It's something that God has declared that by his word, we believe um, that that's that's how that that's how that happens. But also, too, you take that you take that a step further and go, okay, so that's not only what Paul is saying about how God has revealed himself, uh, revealed himself to us in our hearts is out of the, you know, the the uncreated, so to speak. Um, but you also look at it and say, well, look at Mary, what happened with Mary, the spirit of God came upon her womb, the waters came upon mm. her womb, and the light of the world came into oh. came into the earth. Right. So you look at that and you go like, wait a minute, like, it really starts opening up and you start looking at creation as like this beautiful story that's unfolding that is a, it's a shadow. It's a shadow of a shadow of a shadow of a shadow um, mm. and." and you know, I tie this tie this in the book, but there's this there's this discussion that unfolds with 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 Moses on, in exodus thirty three, where Moses is like, "Show me your glory. show me, him, show me your glory." Um, and God responds in a particular way, and he says, "You can't see my face." And people are like, "Well, you can't see the face of God because he's too glorious and you would die, which is really peculiar because not even a few verses earlier, it says that Moses talked to God face to face. And it's mm. interesting to see how we reason with that text. we it's It's interesting to say, well, it was a veiled glory. It wasn't really face to face. It was more metaphorical. And if you actually go into the into the original Hebrew, and again, I go into much more detail about this in the book. If you go into the original Hebrew, Moses is not asking to see God fully un, un, unveiled. What he's asking God for is a revelation of where, what he's doing with the Israelites is coming to a completion. He's basically saying show me the glory of what you're up to. And, mm. and God says I can't show you that. And so when he says you you'll see my back but you can't see my my front, it's not an anatomical statement. It's actually God saying I can't show you where I'm going. I can't see that I can't, I can't show you the fullness of everything, but I can show you where I've been. And it's actually revealed through what God says in Exodus 33, because Moses says, let me see your glory. And he says, um, "He says, I will show you my goodness. Well, we're, we're and goodness is in reference to good things. It's in reference to possessions and all this. Well, what is the first reference to good things? It's on day one. And God said, let there be light. And he separated mm-hmm. the light from the dark and he called the light and he saw that it was good. So we see that the first good thing is the revelation of uh the revelation of god in christ jesus that's given on uh, that's not given on but is shown on day one uh, of creation and so the the creation story is actually a declar- declaration to the jewish people and ultimately to us of god's goodness in preparation for what he's leading the israelite people into
1: mm-hmm. so wow fascinating yeah
2: that's this profound
1: when did you figure out in your study wow this isn't going to be just a sermon for my youth group this is going to be something else
2: um that that is a thought that has haunted me um <laughs> because he, here's the here's the problem right there, there's nothing new under the sun so either you're preaching orthodoxy or you're preaching heresy that's that's really mm-hmm. Where you find yourself and and the problem is when 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 you're doing something like this and you go like I found something new that's that should be immediate like, whoa buddy, whoa, slow down like um you're yeah. <laughs> you're you're in territory you don't want to cross into you're in territory you need to be extremely careful about because we don't want to make any new declarations about who God is because he has revealed that fully in Jesus Christ. there's nothing else to add on to that. So if I'm, going to be able to ma- if I'm going to be able to make these declarations, I have to congruently throughout scripture say this is emphatically declared through scripture that this is what this mm. is pointing to. Um, and there are certain things that you'll find throughout the study guide that I don't really make any hard assertions about because I'm not entirely clear as to what purpose that serves, um, mm. especially like the birds on day five. No idea. Mm. I give kind of an illustration of what they could be pointing to, but I can't make any uh, assertive claims and say this is exactly what this is pointing to, Right. because I don't want I don't want to make assertions where I don't want to make assertions. But I remember just going like, "Wow, this is amazing!" and and, and then going, "Let me go to you know the the classics. Let's go to Luther. Let's go to Calvin. Let's go to R.C. Sproul. Let's let's see if anybody else." Has said anything remotely. Even Matthew Henry. Let's look at his commentary. Nobody, mm-hmm. nobody has nobody has made these assertions. They they show up in like little slivers here and there, of, of mm-hmm. you know people have made some of these, um, and so it was one of those things where even when I was preaching to the kids, I was very very cautious to say like, look, this is supposed to be an illustration of what God is up to. This, I'm not making hard claims about this. This is just something that we can ponder. And I remember sitting down with a bunch of men that I that I I respect it and just said, hey, this is what I found. This is, and I remember them listening to it and just being completely dumbfounded and going like, my gosh, I've never seen that before. Like you're right. Mm. Like and after doing that, I realized that this was something that wasn't just for a group of 12 kids, that this right. was something that was going to be that needed to you know needed to get out there, especially. Um, And I kind of laugh at the timing of everything, especially with the deconstruction wave that we have and this interest in academics and like there's got to be something more to the Bible than what I've been hearing on a Sunday morning and just saying, you know, hey, let's. Let's point this all to Jesus, but it's, it's been a struggle since I've like had that realization of like, no, this is going to be bigger than just a, than just a sermon series. Even if it's just a hundred people that read it and get, you know, a, yeah. a, a, a revelation of something they never saw in scripture, that would be, that would be amazing. But, um, that is something that, that has indeed haunted me because again, we're, we're talking, we're talking about a crucible, crucible of theological statements Within mm. the, the the rest of Scripture. So if you don't if you don't get the theology of Genesis one correct, um, it's going to have massive effects on how you read the rest of Scripture. Um, mm. I mean, I've I've seen many people make assertions about some of the things within Genesis one, and you can tell just by the assertions that they're making there how they view the rest of Scripture. Right. Um, and that's definitely something you want to walk a very, very Careful tightrope with. You don't want to lean too far to the right or to the left. Um, And that's
1: definitely something I hopefully have been very careful with. So Hmm. I feel like when people start studying Genesis, maybe for the first time, but maybe just more in depthly, like you started to do, you realize how much of a vast world there is within it and how it relates to the rest of the Bible. Um, For you, when you first, maybe not first, but when you started studying for this. Uh, study guide that you put out, Um, what were some of the, your favorite revelations that you had? Things that just through studying, you learned new facts, the Lord brought to your attention, stuff like that.
2: Yeah. So um, one of the things that I find, uh, so Paul talks about this distortion, right? He talks about, there's this distortion of what God has created. And Hmm. instead of it leading to a, a, a worship of the creator, it leads to the worship of his creation. And what's interesting is if you start like in Genesis one, you can actually find a lot of the source of a lot of the things that we teach that, that that are wrong within, within not just the church, but, you know, as society, as a culture, as a, as a globe, um, as a, you know, as a species, if you want to put it that way. Um, Like, for example, like in in me talking about the light coming upon um, the, a uh, uh, light coming upon as uh, the spirit is hovering over the waters. Um, one of the things that is pointed out in Job 38, I believe it is numbers don't make sense to me. It's written down. It's in there. Job 38. <laughs> uh, I I have tried, I have tried to memorize yeah. chapter and verse pointer. It just doesn't happen. Um, so, um, but in Job 38, God speaks to the seas as they burst from the womb right there's so there's this imagery that's given within scripture that the waters come from the womb that's the source of the waters um and what's interesting about that is when you get this picture of the spirit hovering over the waters and in deuteronomy that same word hover is being used and it's much more intimate than just like you know uh, chris angel mind freak you know hovering levitating mm-hmm. above the waters it's a very intimate, like a like a hen with her her young, hovering over her her young, not to crush them but to nurture them and to keep them warm and all that. And so, when you when you look at it in that regards, there's very much a mother earth, you know, kind of thing that can very easily spring up from that if you start assigning assigning qualities to God's creation and worshipping the creator rather uh, the creation rather than the creator. Um, You know, because there's definitely a maternal-ish, you know, kind of aspect to it, if you read that into the text, rather than realizing what it actually is, that the waters are meant to symbolize symbolize purity, that um, we are born of spirit and water, so this is very much a... Uh, imagery that is given in in the original creation that what God is creating is pure it's free from sin it's been washed it's been cleansed right so that's that's the imagery that scripture is giving but because of the inherent qualities that God has not only put in his creation but within us we can read that maternal quality and now all of a sudden we're worshiping mother earth we're worshiping creation over the creator Mm. Uh, same thing with like the stars stars are synonymous with angels Um, And the way that the scriptures point it is that the stars are in service to us. They don't rule over us. They don't lord over us. Um, But because of the hierarchy and they are up there and we're down here, we have a whole aspect of astrology where astrology goes that the stars govern me, that the stars Mm -hmm. are responsible for my uh, behaviors and beliefs. And whereas the the declaration that Genesis is trying to make is no, no, these were created to to show the times and the seasons of what God was up to. These are the lesser lights, speaking of a greater light, the greater light that actually was created on day one. They're in service to that light. Um, and so that's that's one of the interesting things that, I, that I've realized through all of this is that you not only can you see the theology that we should be getting out of this, that scripture reemphasizes over and over again throughout its pages, mm-hmm. but also you can see where very easily we can twist it and start worshiping what God has created um, in a way, again, that that he never intended. It was supposed to point to him. Um, and again, it is, a, it is a raging and suppressing of what God has been up to because now creation is serving my purposes rather than God's purposes. Um, and that's another interesting thing to add to it because Adam is created at the end of all things. He's not created at the beginning. He's not offering counsel up to God. He's created at the tail end of it. To say, mm. here's all the things I've created. All of these things are you, you're to steward it, you're to rule over it. But no, they're they, they're 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 for you. They're not they're they're for you. They're for you to rule over, not to be ruled by. So.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that that he created man last because that would then kind of send a message of like, look, all this has been prepared before you got here. You have no claim yeah. over any of it. You can't your job is identifying you just name it which is like discovering it you know yes and so yeah. it's like that's this cool little piece where it's like even the order of creation makes it so that man has no way to try to manipulate and say oh yeah i did this i helped god with the creation of the birds because i was here when he created the birds and i said those winds are nice yeah <laughs> you know?
2: yeah as scripture yeah. says "Who who has been his counselor who, mm, who has advised exactly. the lord nobody has um mm. you know and, and it's the create the create one of the things I, I love about the creation account though is because of this like there there are aspects now like when i go to a beach i look at the waters totally different like there there there, there are times where now where it's like i'm out in god's creation i'm looking at all that he created and just going Wow, this has this has a much deeper meaning to me than it did, you know, at the beginning um, before I started this journey. It's very much a wow. Like I see you in this now. I see mm-hmm. how you have been revealed through what you have created. I can see how the natural processes within creation actually declare not just a creator, but the plans and purposes and the will of that creator. So. Mm-hmm. Hmm.
0: Yeah, there's something that's really centering about being out in nature and yeah, reflecting on who God is. And yeah, when you see these monster waves roll in, you're like, man, who can stop the will of that wave in a sense, just like Mm -hmm. who can stop the will of God. I remember I was, I was at the beach a couple of years ago. That's not saying much though, because we go to the beach all the time, but um, I was over on the North shore and we were in the massive waves. First, first year in Hawaii, I grew up in Michigan, never been in ocean waves. And I was like, well, if I stand here, and the wave pick, picks me up, and, and, it, and it drops me here, well, I just still be in the staying standing. Like, would I just like be picked up and carried? And I wasn't thinking about physics. I thought I'm going to try this. I went for a big wave. I'm not going to try to stop it. I'm just going to go with it. And this wave picked me up. And I remember just like it's shore break, which is like really dangerous, and it just picked me up and a couple feet and then dropped me right on the sand on the back of my neck and i was just like yeah. on the ground like oh my gosh and it's kind of in one of those ways it's like man like yeah you tried to contend with the will of that wave and you got humbled and if you try to contend with the will of god you also might run the risk of getting humbled you know yeah if if the lord decides that he wants to spend his time humbling you and he has the universe to run so it's kind of yeah. like <laughs> it's an honor that god would even tell you hey that's not how it works Yeah,
2: yeah yeah and there's uh it'll be interesting to see your uh see your perspective on um was it i always get this mixed up it's day three of day three of creation uh day three and uh day three and five of creation Mm. uh and the because one of the things i have to go in and talk about is the seas um Mm. because there's this discrepancy and i'm not going to give too much away um but you know there's just this discrepancy where you know, God creates mankind to rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and everything that crawls and creeps upon the earth. And uh, but when He brings the name, uh, the animals for Adam to name, He only brings the birds of the sky and the beasts of the field. He doesn't mm-hmm. bring, you know. And of course, you could dismiss that and be like, well, what were you going to make your Adam do? Are you going to make him get a snorkel and go there? No, God told him to rule over the the, the seas. But it's peculiar that Adam. Is, never names any of the animals in the sea he never is you know god never reveals that to him so hmm. it,
0: mm-hmm.
2: interesting. Very interesting. yeah that is
0: a, i know in, in a lot of ancient writings the seas were looked at as the the place of chaos right Where like mm-hmm. that's why when jesus calms the sea they all freaked out because they're like even like no gods can rule over the water we know that like their worldview was like every nation has their gods but no one can rule the sea
1: and so yeah or, or if they well, can, it's really hard. yeah well if you take a
2: look at so at, at Paul's ca- um, shipwreck, if you take a look mm. at, in, in the book of Acts after the shipwreck, um, when he gets bit um, by the snake, um, the, the, the crew makes this uh, they make this um, and I'm gonna paraphrase here because I don't remember the exact verbiage, but they basically tell him that look, the judgment of the seas didn't get you, mm. but the, but the, the, the serpent did like, you may escape, mm. escape escaped the judgment of the seas, but you haven't escaped the, the, the God's judgment because you got bit by the snake. And obviously, you know, as Jesus foreshadowed his apostles would be able to be bitten by snakes and not affected. And, you know, it, it, it's a Testament to Paul is actually in the gospel, that he's preaching the true gospel that he's not under the judgment of God. Um, and you also see it in Jonah as well the the sailors start to you know um draw lots to see who's responsible for this who who hmm. who is God after who is God about mm-hmm. to destroy because that that is their interpretation of the sea storm equals well we're under the judgment of God we we are hmm. and so it, it it's been a, it, it's an interesting thing to to look through the to their creation account and go like huh what is what is this foreshadow? What does this show us? So. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I wonder if there is a connection with like the waters being chaos. Adam maybe still having the responsibility to name the fish, because he, he had dominion over the whole earth, right? And so it's like, but that just was like maybe the next step if he didn't sin was like maybe eventually they would have gotten to the point where they would have created the technology to do that. But if the waters are symbolic of chaos, and he still has the mandate to name the, the the creatures, or you could say, like, expand his dominion or bring the dominion that God gave him to the sea, then there could mm-hmm. be some imagery of the purpose of man is under God's commission to. Like, um, contend with chaos or or master the chaos. And there's yeah. chaos in this world that is always looming. And we we talked about this a couple weeks ago. I had like a when I was in the Middle East, I had this like uh, the revelation of like how the creation story equates to like the Great Commission and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. how if God's hovering over the chaos or hovering over the water and that's chaos, and He says take dominion, then we have this mandate to establish God's order in the world. God created yeah. man. He created order and then created man and then say said sustain this order and spread it and man in yeah. our attempts to spread god's order we actually manipulated and tried spreading order our way and that actually undid god's order brought a new chaos and there's this image of like our the the humans mission is to master the chaos under obedience to jesus yeah and yeah, and look, so there, I wonder if there's something there
2: yeah i mean if you look i'll be interested to see to see what you what you think um of that of that discussion, but um, mm. there is a statement in Revelation 21 uh, where where um, where John says that he looked and he saw that the sea was no more. Right, the, mm. The, mm. at the end of all things, when the New Jerusalem comes down that there is no sea. And of course, again, I love the theological debates around this because we completely miss the point of this. So is it the is there no literal sea? sea? You know, There's you know no still the no surfing in heaven. <laughs> you know
0: what's going to happen in the environment if there's no water? <laughs> yeah.
2: And um what what's interesting is because Reve- revelation talks about how the sea is also symbolic of the peoples. It's symbolic mm. of yeah. uh, the, the nations. Um mm. and so that's where every kind of evil comes up from. Uh, you know, it's so where the dragon and the beast both come from in Daniel mm. 7. That's where mm. all the beasts come yep. from. They come up out of the sea. And so there is this definite thing of like. When the new Jerusalem comes down and there is no seed, there is this symbolic of like, hey, the evil and the chaos has been eradicated. It's yeah, gone. Yeah. There's it, It's done with. But there's also this very other there's this also this interesting parallel parallel to it. And I haven't fleshed it out enough to actually put it in the study guide. But one of the things that. Um, that adam was tasked with was to be fruitful to multiply and fill the earth and subdue it that's why i didn't cover it because it's going to be in the second there's a there's another study guy that's going to specifically deal with mankind and our purposes mm-hmm. out of genesis too um, but in um adam was given the or mankind was given the uh command to be fruitful to multiply to fill the earth and subdue it right and so there is this other thread within it that Adam did not rule over the earth. He didn't fill it. He didn't subdue it. He didn't be, he he wasn't fruitful. He sinned, right? And so there is the, but again, the callings and the the giftings and callings of God are irrevocable. So what ends up happening, God, you know, Adam does procreate. We do, we are fruitful. We multiply in the sense that we, we procreate, we fill the earth. But we fill the earth with evil. We fill the earth with corruption and unrighteousness. Um, And there is this aspect now that when Jesus comes in and says that I can rule over the winds and the waves, that I'm ruling over the seas, is that not only is he ruling over the seas where the evil and corruption, the chaos is, he's also ruling over humanity because he is the second Adam. He is the king of the earth. He he is, is an inheritance is is the people of God and he will reign and rule with us forevermore. And so there's that yeah. illustration that's going on there where where it's, it's showing us that we cannot overcome the evil that is Present within the world without somebody to rule over those those winds and those waves. Um, that, that mm-hmm. is something that only God does. In Job 38, he says, Who's the who's the one who assigned the boundaries to the seas and said, You will stop and go no further? Mm-hmm. It's it, it's Christ. So, and there's we could unpack that for hours, you know, of you know, where mm-hmm. God has set up the boundaries for the nations and said. You know, e- even with the, the nation of Israel, he has carved out and set the boundaries of where Israel would be, you know, mm. uh, which is another thing to think about that. You know, it's one of the things that one of the other things that came up in this is Psalm, this is Psalm 8. Again, numbers mean nothing to me, uh, where mm. um, David David is saying, you know, when I look at the, the stars, you know, the stars and everything that is in heaven, um, who is man that you are mindful of him? Like, it, like. For David, the, the declaration of the, of the universe does not diminish the value of humanity. It actually amplifies it. It adds a mystery to it that like in the, in the vastness of the cosmos, and the heavens and the earth, that there's just this little speck, infinitesimal speck in this grand universe that goes on as far as we know forever, you know, infinity, that there is no boundary mm. to it. And this is the declaration that God is mindful of human being, that he is involved. This is where, and not only has he decided that this little speck in the middle of the universe is where he's going to show himself, you know, glorious. But it's a little sliver of land, not even 100 miles by 70 miles in the Middle East that God has said, I'm going to select these people to show my glory through. And if you take it down to that, you're just like, wow, God must be really up to something glorious if that's what he decided to do. If he decided that that little Mm -hmm. small sliver of the land with the most rebellious stiff necked people on the face of the planet, that he is going to use those people to show his glory. Okay. Tell me more, you know, rather than the the natural response. And again, this goes into where we see the corruption of that where people will look at the stars, they will look at the heavens and go, we're, we're just stardust. We, we exist in this time of entropy where things are complex and eventually everything will fizzle out and your, your existence is meaningless. Just you know, do the best you can to be a good person or whatever and live your life and then die. And the scripture actually offers more to that and says, no, no, the, the, because you are so insignificant and God has turned his affections towards you, you are actually more valuable than any of the stars in the heavens, um, mm-hmm. and it adds that mystery and that glory to it that actually I think edifies us more than it diminishes us.
0: Yeah, yeah, it definitely like begs the question, like, well, why? Why is it that God cares so deeply about us? And then you get back to the, the creation of like, yeah, we were made in His likeness. He's, it's not that, not just that like we are one of his random many billions of creations, but we are like the creation. And also not even more than that, it's like our, even our existence, our creation is also kind of to, I've heard someone say this so maybe we can flesh it out, but it's also to say like to the rebellious angels, like you guys wanted to usurp authority, you wanted to be God, you wanted to take my place. I'm actually gonna create beings that have, that in their earthly life, will have nowhere near the amount of power and magnitude that you guys have, and they will rule, actually, over you. They will rule over the angels.
2: Yeah. You know, yeah, it's that's...
0: like, and, and the angels marvel, they're like, wow, how is that possible?
2: Oh, yeah, no, they they, they marvel, and they want to know what, what's going on, what God has been up to, because they're fascinated with it. They don't understand it. They're perplexed by it, as, Hebrew, as Hebrews talks about, like, that this mm-hmm. is, you know... And and it, the the interesting thing is, um, you know, when Hebrews says that he, he made, uh, he was made little less than the angels, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that that I, I believe it's Hebrews. I think it's Hebrews again. Um, it's, it's, it's Tuesday. Um, but he was made, <laughs> little less, yeah, he was made less than the angels for a time, which like, Think of the implications of this that Jesus angels were created as ministering spirits to go go out into into the world, and Mm. they were created to serve humanity, they were created to minister to us and point us to the to to the the true light, and it says of Jesus that he was made lower than that, that he was made Mm. as a servant to humanity. you know, and, and you begin to like really process that. and you think back to what you know Paul says in Philippians, where he says, you know, that he emptied himself and took on the form of a servant and was mm-hmm. obedient, you know unto death, even death on the cross. Like that adds a brevity to it when you really think about the the angel's place within uh, within um, within the created order that they are supposed to point us to. Uh, Jesus, that we rule over them because they, that they minister to us. And then Jesus went lower than that. And Jesus mm. became a bondservant. And he became somebody who, who mm. not only ministered to humanity, but served humanity and pointed them to mm. the, the true light. Like it, it even says of the, of the Garden of, no, not the Garden of Gethsemane. It's um, in, in the place of uh, Jesus's temptation that angels came down to minister to him. Right, mm-hmm. um, and so there's, you, you see this where like, it it, it adds, it, the the incarnation is so complex. It's so difficult to navigate mm-hmm. around. It's messy. Mm-hmm. The incarnation mm-hmm. is so messy, and I understand why people trip over it so much. But, yeah, it, it, it's interesting. It, it's interesting to see that place, and especially also too when we talk about well, these are ministering spirits that are supposed to point to the one true light and. The, you know the the callings and giftings of God are irrevocable. Well, what does that say of Satan? That Satan mm-hmm. is a ministering spirit. That say, Satan has been created to minister to hu- humanity, and him and his demons mm-hmm. minister now in another way. They they are they are advocates of darkness rather than mm-hmm. advocates of light. Yeah. And so, do you think? Oh, go ahead. Oh no, go ahead. I was going to ask with that idea because
0: this is something that's like always weird. Is like we talk about like yeah like. God knows Satan exists and God's using him for whatever purpose. But do you think that angels or free will beings, and maybe actually, with this a conversation about free will, maybe we don't, I, I don't know your perspective. I know you've said before that you are yeah. more Calvin, Calvinist leaning, but yeah, like, do you think that humans and angels have the same level of free will things that, because uh, we would say humans are free mm-hmm. will. And then yeah, I would think of my theology, like angels are free will, and that's why Satan rebelled, and now God yeah. is like using that rebellion to, like it's almost like fighting a war, and he is defeated, but he's just it's like kind of the eviction notice for the house has been given, yeah. and now the guy who's living in the house is trashing it, but the, yeah, the the yeah. owner's on his way mentality.
2: I, I I always say I'm a Calvinist because of the fall, right? Um, because I believe that free will existed before the fall, that before. Hmm. Humanity screwed up. We were not slaves to sin. We were we were we were free. We had free free choice to choose the things of God, um, because we weren't tainted by sin. Um, and still, for some reason, there was there there was temptation. Um, which I'll figure that out one day. It will probably be when I step into glory and go, God, could you please iron out this whole like perfect but yet temptation can still exist like could you like iron that out for me could you yeah because then you'll me? stop Calvinist <laughs> because
0: you realize there was a choice <laughs> yeah
2: yeah yeah, yeah. And, and, it, and and again it's that's that's one of the things i always have to think about because the creation the creation account is the perfect place mm-hmm. it, it, it is I, I shouldn't say perfect. I got I got to backtrack on this mm. because perfect perfect means that it has accomplished all of the things that God has set out go. for it to accomplish. Um, it, it was very good. It was a, it was a good creation. It was in a good state. It was in a sinless state. Um, and so you have to wrestle with this like yeah there is no there is no sin, yet we still see in Genesis three where temptation can exist. Um, and I go a little bit into my understanding of that on uh, on the day six of creation in terms of how God tells us we're supposed to rule over uh, creation and specifically the animals. But when it comes to angels, I, I, I have the um, – my theological stance on it is angels do have free will. Um, they do have the ability to choose and not choose God. Um, now, they do have the – benefit of seeing god in his fullness so you know making that choice is uh not not um, not done in ignorance let's just say it that way um but because they are spirit there's no way to redeem them mm. because the way that we are redeemed is through the shedding uh, is through the shedding of blood It's through the holy spirit coming upon us and turning transforming us into a new creation um, which again, if you think about the plans and purposes of God, that he gave us flesh and bones and a spirit so that we could be redeemed, um, mm. let that cook your noodle for a little bit. Um, mm. but like, you know, uh, they, you know, the angels, the angels can't be redeemed even though, even though they do have free will, they're, they're, they're stuck in their sin, um, or the fallen angels are stuck in their sin and they cannot be They cannot be transformed into a new creation because there is no flesh to overcome there is no Mm. yeah yeah
0: and christ came as a human and died as a human
2: so yeah yeah he couldn't be crucified as as a spirit because there's nothing to to redeem there's nothing yeah Mm. you you can't you can't redeem flesh with spirit you have to redeem flesh with flesh
1: Mm -hmm. so
2: Mm. it's
0: almost like for at least the angels it's almost like no excuse i'm like guys you literally fly
2: around the throne singing, holy, holy, holy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can't. That, you have no excuse. Yeah, I did hear a pastor one time, and I haven't had enough time to flesh it out, so just take it for what it's worth. But one of the things that um, he, he was talking about is he, he was drawing from uh, Isaiah where he talks about that um, prophetically that Satan was like the bright and, uh, bright shining morning star um and basically saying that the the contention between satan and god um is that god did not choose satan that he chose us and so mm. there is that the the reason why mm. um, the reason the reason the, the the rage of satan at the end of days is that even though he wanted god to choose him that God has still used him and thwarted every single one of his plans for his own purposes, right? Because again, angels were created as ministering spirits. They were created to minister to humanity, to point unto the light. So even though what Satan has been given for good, he uses for evil, God turns that around and uses it for good, that he has used uh, the plans and purposes of Satan for his will, because the giftings and callings of Satan is not to pull people away from God, but to point them to God, which is why we can as Christians, as redeemed, uh, redeemed uh, children of God can say the count it all joy whenever you face trials and temptations of many kinds, because you know that these produce steadfastness, which is which is what we need so that we can be perfect and complete, lacking nothing that mm-hmm. everything that satan throws at us is actually for our good every suffering every trial everything that we're being pulled away every temptation is a is is something that god is using to perfect the christian and to reveal his glory within us as paul says the outer is wa- wasting away but the inner man is being renewed day by day so even though we have been person you know even though we have been um even though even though we have been persecuted we're we're not destroyed. We, we, we have this hope of glory that's within us and that these momentary light afflictions are nothing compared to the glory that's being revealed because actually those Mm. are in service to the glory that's being revealed
1: so Mm. super interesting uh we could talk about angels forever i feel like because there's just so much you can theorize about it It, i've always taken this understanding we can know some things about the angels right we've got like messengers servants uh, all of this kind of stuff. Children,
0: wheels in the sky like, yeah, with you can, eyes.
1: You can debate free will, all <laughs> that kind of stuff with them yeah. and the purpose of their creation. But in my mind, like the Bible was created for us, right? And so we just yeah. don't have access to all these heavenly beings, heavenly creatures, call them angels, all this kind of stuff in Scripture. So I just don't know. You know what I mean? I yeah. can give you little bits here and there the Bible kind of clues me into, mm-hmm. but I don't know if they have free will. I don't know if they're redeemed. I don't know, like, all this kind of stuff.
2: Well, we just talked yeah. about it tonight. Well, Robin well yeah, right. The answer.
1: Right, right, right. We get little clues I'm into it.
2: I'm published. You have to trust me.
1: He's <laughs> a scholar now. Dude,
2: yeah. he has his book. <laughs>
1: Peer-reviewed by us. Yeah, peer reviewed.
2: Yeah. So, but yeah, it's, it, it's, it is a, it, it is one of those things. And that's one of the things I hope to do with the study guide is that the study guide is meant to really be a launching off point. It's not meant to be definitive, mm-hmm. exhaustive, or any of these things. So, especially when it comes to questions of like, well, do do angels have free will? How does Satan operate or stuff like that? Well, Mm -hmm. if you have a good foundation in the creation account you understand why God Mm -hmm. created the things that he created and the purposes for what he created, then you can start having discussions that work within those confines and work within that theology and say, do angels have free will? Sure. Let's discuss it. Let's talk about that, how that works with God, what God has created. Let's get, Let's work, let's lay the foundation of first repentance from dead works, you know, and then also to lay down the foundation of, okay, what has God created? What is the mystery of the gospel as Paul talks about in his letters? Mm. Um, and then say, okay, once we have the, that firm established foundation, now we can start talking about all of the uh, the other theological implications of this and then say, okay, let's have discussion. Let's have the what ifs, mm. let's have the what, what works. So mm.
0: Mm-hmm. Goal. Yeah. Yeah. Is there I, anything else that you what, what were going to say? No. part. I was going to say it's almost been an hour, so I was thinking we're about to yeah. wrap up. We got to get to work. But is there yeah. anything else that you wanted to say or plug, or where can people find
2: this book to purchase? Yeah. So if you're on my socials, um, I have uh, the link, tr- uh, the link tree in my bio that will go hmm. to this uh, site. You can take a look on uh, YouTube. Uh, The video series will be on there. Uh, The whole idea for that is that the general revelation is free. I don't want to put that behind a paywall. But if you want to, you know, if you want to be able to get into the nitty gritty and see all the different, um, you know, uh, work with me, uh, all the different context and all of the different Mm -hmm. cross references and stuff that's what the study guide is there for. It's available in physical copy or on Kindle uh, and Apple books. Cool. Um, so yeah, if you, if you look me up violin, Robin, either TikTok, Instagram, or YouTube, I could get better at posting to YouTube. Um, but if you look me up there, uh, the links in, in in the bios there, you can go there, uh, get yourself a copy um, and see, see what you think.
1: Awesome. awesome.
2: Yeah. I know I'm excited
0: to go through it. Um plan on, I was like, just thinking recently, like I need, to, I need to get into a little study. You
1: know? Yeah, we just got this yesterday. Yeah, we just got this in the it.
0: mail yesterday, so I'm really excited. I'm going to yeah, be digging into
1: it. So, guys, if yeah. you want to know why Adam didn't name all the fish in the sea, mm-hmm. then please read this book. It's got all the answers in there, and you'll love it. Yeah. You'll know for, if angels have free will. Yeah. yeah.
0: Just one more time <laughs> for everybody. Maybe not creation. Creation, <laughs> yeah. God's invisible attributes on display. Mm. Pick it up. Amazon, Kindle, Apple Books, all this stuff. Yeah. And be blessed.